Welcome to episode 29 of Speak Better. I'm Rebecca Lindquist, also known as Lindquist the Linguist. This podcast is for native and non-native speakers alike. It's all about how to improve your speech, partially accent, because that's my specialty, what I did for 25 years, foreign accent. It's also about public speaking, presence, voice quality, lots of topics. Today's topic is what to do if you speak Russian, Ukrainian, Bulgarian. Now, why am I lumping those together? And probably some other Eastern European languages as well, because they have certain things in common. Now, this is not about the language itself, but about how, if you speak those languages as mother tongues, as your mother tongue, any of those languages, and I mentioned Bulgarian, Ukrainian, Russian, you'll tend to have tense articulation. And as we talked about in the last podcast, if you missed it, the 28th one, we were talking about commonalities in accent. Commonalities is what everybody does differently, and I mentioned lip tension, and we talked about getting rid of lip tension. Well, what I notice in particular with Russian and other languages like Ukrainian accent or Bulgarian, there can be similarity in this. There's too much tension in the jaw in general for American English. So it makes you sometimes sound angry, So if anyone has ever accused you of sounding too gruff or angry, of course there are cultural differences, and a lot of people think that's all it is. But I've found that sometimes someone is not rough, tough, angry, difficult person, something like that. Oftentimes, people read that into it because of how you're articulating. One thing some Russians have, and I've had clients from Israel who have this too, and a lot of Arabic clients have this, And that is the tongue tends to ride low in the mouth, near the throat, and then there's a throaty articulation. And I think we may have talked a bit about this in voice quality. Notice that it's distracting. Even if you're a man and you have a deeper pitch, it's distracting when you speak directly from the throat and out go the words, and the tongue is low. We lift our tongue from the root. American speakers is what I mean by we. There's a lifting in the back, and the sound comes from the back of the mouth. How do you change that if you want to? Well, first of all, let me make the case for why you might want to. If you speak low in the mouth like this, not only is it distracting, but it can sound like you are angry. This is what an American might do if feeling threatened and then they were upset about it. It's kind of that mobster speak. It gives you a whole different fearful sort of quality to your speech, like you're not just necessarily being angry, but maybe harassing somebody or you know being a tough guy. So the idea is if you lift your tongue by the root, that's the back of the tongue, which can be weird in the beginning. So to figure out where that root is, you can open your mouth, just gently open and yawn. (sighs) And as you yawn, you'll feel the whole back of your mouth open. Now you can take your arms into the yawn and do a real yawn where you clasp your fingers together and stretch. Ah, big full body yawn. I take my arms out all the way, both arms to the right and the left, and break the clasp. So you clasp up, lift your eyes to the ceiling, come all the way around as you lower your head, your eyes go eye level, your chin lines up. It doesn't go way down in a squeeze towards your chest. It's not high. It's just so that the whole back of your neck is long and connected, and your arms extend. You inhale up. And then yawn. And a couple of those will open the back of the throat. Now, once the throat is open back there, can you breathe into that spot and make a sound like a big long ah whispered? 
And then can you start phonating? And then can you start speaking from the back of the mouth, which is very different from speaking from the throat. So one thing to be aware of in some languages for some people, especially males in my experience, and we could add Hebrew to this list and probably Arabic as well, sounds can tend to be throaty. I don't think that's the biggest issue for Russians in particular, but it is important to be aware that if your tongue is writing low in the mouth, you're going to get a different sound quality than if it's high in the mouth. The other issue for Russian speakers beyond that, beyond the voice quality, we talked about tension, is that jaw being so, so tight. So other things can make your jaw tight. And if you combine that with having one of these accents, like Bulgarian, Ukrainian, or Russian, it can make your jaw even tighter, uncomfortably so, and make your speech very tense. An example would be someone who wears Invisalign. And Invisalign corrects your teeth. That's great. But if you do that while you're doing speech work, you may have to take it out, which I'm told you can do. Again, I'm not in the dental world, so I don't know about that. But you can take it out, and then you'll be able to drop your jaw more comfortably. But you have to get to a point where you can drop the jaw without squeezing the back of your neck a lot. Because if you're getting tons of neck tension, that's not going to be helpful either. You might want to sleep with a night guard. Again, you can get one from your dentist. They can make them for you now. Better than getting it at a drugstore because they don't fit properly. So you get a good night guard, then you won't grind your teeth at night if you have TMJ, for example, because that can add to it. So you have one of those conditions that can make it worse. And if you already speak one of those languages, you probably use more tension in your jaw than you need to. That's my primary one. The R's can also tend to be too strong. The other language I think of when this comes up is Hungarian. I've had clients that have really strong R's when there's a letter in front. And we talked about that, like BR, bring. The R gets really strong and you have to separate the B and the R. So this is not anyone's particular accent, but when it's strong, it sounds like bring, pride, proud, train, drastic, What else could I come up with? PR, prove, problem, pretty, pretty good, trip. I go on a trip. So that sound comes from linking those two sounds. And instead, you want to separate them. Trip. You finish the T before you hit the R. Trip. Take a trip. Make me a promise instead of promise. And again, that's not just Russian, Ukrainian, and Bulgarian, but it is really important to separate the R to soften it. And I've had many Hungarian clients, not many Hungarians, but a few Hungarian clients who have that issue where that R gets really strong when connected, so you just have to disconnect it. Often you can practice sentences, tongue twisters, Google them. Those are called blends. I call them clusters, but clusters are really at the end of a word like... You know, if you have C-K-T or something at the end of a word, as opposed to at the beginning of a word, this is at the beginning. So I would call them blends, like B-R, C-R, D-R, T-R, and then find out which vowels are the hardest for you and really practice opening the jaw and separating those sounds. Makes a big difference. The R in general is made differently. Make sure that your tongue is not touching the roof of your mouth. So the idea with this R, and you can really hear it if you hear someone say the word Russian, and I'm not saying it with a perfect Russian accent, but it sounds to Americans like Russian instead of Russian, Russian. So what am I doing different when I do I'm curling my tongue back. Now there is another episode on the R sound. I would encourage you to listen to that. 
uh, because I do have episodes out there on various topics that we're also talking about in conjunction with these accents. But this particular podcast is specifically about what Russians, Ukrainians, and Bulgarians might do differently. The other big thing that I notice is the V and the W sounds. The V can sound really harsh, and we do need to separate it from the W. And again, depending on what dialects of these languages you speak, you may not use a W where a V goes or use a V where a W goes, but those sounds just may be more similar for you than they are for Americans. So how we make our W is we lift our lip. And when you lift the lip, the teeth are visible, the front teeth. The lip lifts. And you make the sound wuh. And the lip goes straight up the upper lip. And the lower lip goes down. And remember those buccinators that we use when we squeeze to make the fish? Well, you want to take those in. Take your lips towards. So your, your lips go in towards you. They don't go out. So your whole mouth is going to cave and go forward like a fish. And then you lift the upper lip. And the lower lip stays down. It doesn't close. Wuh, wuh. Your lips move vertically, not horizontally. Try the word woman. And if it sounds like a woman, you've got a V. And how you get a V, and this is pretty easy to change, and I say easy relatively, compared to a TH or an R or word stress or some other things, breathing maybe. This is easier because it's pretty clear and straightforward what to do differently. The teeth, the upper teeth, need to touch the inside of your low lip. <sighs> Lots of breath on a V. Not much breath on w, 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 but lots of breath on V. So how do you change this? Well, one thing you can do is start with words that are similar, like went and vent. It went out the vent. Do those sound the same? Can you handle that reliably? Can you say that went out the vent with no problem? If you find that you can, you want to go back to just doing W's and just doing V's. By themselves, at the beginning of a word is the easiest for most people. Like what, when, where, and victory, vicious, victoria. Practicing with different vowels. Vote, vocal, sometimes the O is harder. Volleyball, long ah. So you try it with every vowel to find out which one is hardest for you. If you master that, you could put some of those together now. You could put a W and a V like wine grows on a vine. You can put little tongue twisters and things like that together. Then you can start to put it in the middle of a word. And I'm talking specifically about the V here. Like never, ever, everyone. Because it's harder to keep that breath going. And what can happen for a Russian, Ukrainian, or Bulgarian speaker is you can get a lot of voicing early on. So you can get never, ever. And that V can be too strong. So we soften it by delaying the voicing. It starts out as an F and becomes a V. Instead of V, there's no biting of the lip. So it's not about biting the lip on a V. It's about allowing the front teeth to touch the inside of the low lip with an exhalation. Sounds a little longer than you think. Never, ever. Now can you put that with some W's, like however, go really slow first and then start combining words to practice. And of course, you can put it at the end of the word like love. And W's, though, in English tend to be at the beginning. They can sometimes be in other locations, but often the spelling isn't the sound. Like even however, it rounds. It's pretty close, but it's actually an ow. It's the vowel ow, not a true W. You can play around with it, find tongue twisters on the internet, 
use a source like ChatGPT or Bard or uh, some Google search to help you, YouTube, all those things, you don't have to recreate the wheel. There's lots of resources out there for tongue twisters, but definitely come up with them. And that would be one of the sounds to work on, the V and the W distinction, two sounds. The other thing is the TH sound is challenging for lots of non-native speakers, but for Russians in particular, Ukrainians, Bulgarian, the Z and the S could be breathier. So it's not a these, them, there. It's these, them, and there. The vowel gets longer because the has a lot of movement in it. How do you change that? Well, you have to lift your tongue more. So you have to go back to all those tongue exercises we talked about. The middle of your tongue has to be very active. Also, your teeth have to stay in contact with your tongue the entire time. You don't get to drop them or you're going to get a t or a d or some other sound. So you have to keep the teeth on the tongue as you move it forward and back. You don't have to stick your tongue out. I often do to show people the movement. But clients will ask me, what do I do with my tongue? I don't want to show people my tongue like that. It's true, if you activate the muscle enough, you won't have to open the mouth so much. You can do it in the front of your mouth with your lips closed. If that doesn't work in the beginning, though, use a mirror. Don't be shy. And take your tongue out. Out and then back. Out and back. And keep it connected. And try sounds. Try the soft teach, like thoughtful, think about it, thanks, changing vowels. And then th, them, these, those. Once you master that... Then put it at the end of the word. Remember, the order you do this in matters. So end of the word for voiceless would be mouth, teeth, or breath. And the verbs often have the th, like mouth, teeth, meaning to grow teeth. Mouth, meaning to use your mouth to say words without articulating the words. So they're silent, but your mouth is moving. Or the word breathe. So the difference between breath and breathe is whether you vibrate that TH. But the tongue movement is going to be the same. You're probably going to need more breath on the th sounds. So you've got to use a tissue like we talked about. And when you use a tissue for breath sounds, make sure you take it apart. You want a very thin layer, and it should move when you exhale. Now, not every native speaker uses as much breath, but it's a great way to make sure you're not shortening the sound. The difference between Brett, like the name, B-R-E-T-T, Brett, and bread, and breath. As in, Brett has bad breath after he eats bread. That's just, again, a tongue twister to help you distinguish sounds. And we have so many sounds that are affected, like the D and the T-H in width, as in measure the width of something, versus with, I'm coming with you, or breadth, the width and the breadth of the subject versus bread or breath. Those all need to sound different and you need to be able to control it to be a dynamic speaker. So those are things that I would assume many Russians and Ukrainians, Bulgarians would work on, although everyone is different. I've also had clients that struggle with N and UNG because that NG spelling is not a G. It's an N sound that's made back in the mouth. We call it a velar sound, made in the velum in the back there, or the vellum, some people call it. But the idea is that your tongue lifts in the back when you make that sound, which it also does for ka and ga, but this sound is mm, and the tongue drops. We do this with every ing, like thinking is not thinking. And you might be surprised to learn that Singapore is not Singapore.
There's no G. It's not singer, but singer, which is confusing because it's longer with a G or larger with a J. So again, our spelling isn't your friend. You have to look the words up phonetically to know. But these are all sounds that I would recommend if your first language is Bulgarian, Ukrainian, or Russian that you think about. Word stress can be tricky, although I haven't seen that as the primary issue for people with these first languages. But the reason it's tricky is I believe in your languages, and Hungarian also, the rules are more specific for word stress. Like you can predict where the stress is going to fall, and you really can't do that in American English. You can to some extent with some words, but there's always going to be like exceptions or two different rules. We have stress on the root of words. So a word like developer, development, develop. Notice how it's always falling on vel, which gives the word meaning. It's not on the first syllable or the last one. It's that one in the middle that determines the meaning of the word. However, if you go with a French word, that a French ending, which we borrowed from French centuries ago, not modern-day French by any means, that would be too easy. So you put an al at the end like incremental, developmental. And once you have that Dental, dental, <laughs> incidental. You can start rhyming it, which is how kids learn. And so you might hear kids rhyming words. They don't even sometimes know what the words mean yet, but they're able to pronounce it so well. And that's something that I believe adults can learn from kids. It's another thing to look at. In terms of cadence and so on, back to the tension. If you're speaking in short bursts and using a lot of jaw tension, it's not going to sound friendly. So I think the biggest danger when you have a Russian, Ukrainian, or Bulgarian accent is not sounding laid back and friendly. Even if you are, you might sound tense and you might say, I'm not a tense, angry person, but people think I'm insulting them or they think I'm judging them or whatever it might be. And that's pretty common. And that often comes from all that excess tension. Now, how do you get rid of it? Doing the exercises we talked about. There are massage techniques to reduce it, but it can come back. So awareness is king, and the more you drop the jaw and learn the vowels and do some of these things, the easier it's going to get. So that's my suggestions for Russian, Ukrainian, and Bulgarian speakers, and in our next episode, we'll talk about Indian languages. I hope you're finding this interesting, even if your first language isn't the particular one we're talking about. It can be insightful. We talked earlier about being respectful of people, and if someone speaks another language, instead of just not understanding them, you might try realizing, hey, I think this is what they're doing differently, and that might actually help you understand them better. I hope this helps, and I look forward to our next episode.